sits on thrones, the philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is episode 567, Making Space for Me in a Hostile World, Part 1. And this is an interview that I did with a friend of mine, Tammy Whiting. Now, Tammy and her husband, Steve, were friends with me, my wife, Krista, and also Jake, as you know, Brother Jake from this podcast and the Brother Jake YouTube uh, channel, and Jake's wife, Erica. Uh, We knew each other in Bloomington, Indiana, and Tammy recently wrote a book. And so we talk about Jake a little bit. We talk about our experience together a little bit, but mostly this is about Tammy's life, the really difficult, challenging things that she went through and the role that the church played in her life. And it's a complicated role because it helped her so much. And then later in life, she walked away from it. Why? What is that all about? What happened? It's a really interesting story. It's one that I know that Tammy is going to be sharing with her believing family, friends. And so I want everyone to know from the start, this episode of Infants on Thrones is a very safe episode for believers. I know we can get critical at times and we can have a tone that is repellent to believers. That's not what this episode is. And this is first, this is part one of a two-part episode. And I originally was going to do it this way. So I published part one yesterday to our Patreon supporters. And I was going to wait a week before I published it to the general public. But you know what? Today's my birthday. And I love this story so much, both part one and part two. I'm just going to publish them both now. So I hope that doesn't bother anybody. But that's just what I'm going to do. I'm publishing part one. And then later on today, I'll publish part two. It's such an amazing story. And uh, one more thing I'll say before we get to the episode. If you like Tammy what she has to say, you want to meet her, you want to talk with her, Tammy and I are going to record a conversation on Sunday, February 10th. We're calling it Brunch with Tammy, I think. Mimosa's optional. And uh, we're going to discuss the book Enough, How to Liberate Yourself and Remake the World with Just One Word. So if you'd like to join us on Sunday, February 10th, Details will be on our Patreon page. That will be for Patreon supporters only. But if you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us on Patreon and like to get more content of Infants on Thrones, then please, by all means, join us on Patreon. But now, let's just get right to this conversation with Tammy because it is just amazing. Steve, they played cool together. So, so Jake was playing pool with Steve last yeah, night. Yeah, I'll send uh, you the picture. Uh, that's so. awesome. So so Jake like recognizes Steve. He remembers him. Oh he, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't look at Steve and think, "Oh, that's a cucumber." <laughs> no, he doesn't. Probably know the word cucumber. Yeah. <laughs> um, like nouns, right? Um, yeah. He's working on a list, but so so this was weird. Um, he, we got a FaceTime from him and Erica. Nice. And so we're sitting in our dining room and Jake is on the screen on the computer yeah, and he, he's smiling and talking and he remembers a lot of things. Yeah. Um, situational things and um, interactions with people and. See, that, that's costumes. like my biggest concern is that when I finally do like reconnect with Jake, that he'll only remember the shitty things about me. <laughs> oh my God. No. <laughs> I, I I think that no, there's this um, there's just like a a wonderful vibe I get from him. Oh, good. Like there is no there's no you know that part of your brain where you worry about what people think and uh-huh. you um, you caution yourself before yeah. speaking. Like he doesn't he doesn't seem to have as much of that. Oh, so good. it's just this pure soul coming out of his, his eyes. He was always so much of that anyway. Just yeah. That. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But he's, he's still Jake. It's yeah. really awesome. I was just te- like to tears just watching him. Yeah. Uh, on the, on the screen, but. Well, let's not worry. Let's not worry about that microphone headset thing. Let's just start talking. And okay. are, are you okay if I share that? Cause I, cause I started recording as we were talking about that. I think listeners would love to hear an update on people who are actually interacting with Jake and 
Yeah. No, yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have much to add to it, but yeah, you can share that. Yeah, cool. Well, so Tammy, what, what I, what I want to do today is, um, like, uh, a, a little bit of introduction just for the listeners so that they can get to know you, but I kind of want to like go down memory lane for just the two of us too, between oh, good. when, when, and, and then we'll get into your book and this incredible, amazing story. Um, it, 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 I, I was just so moved by it. Um, but we'll get to that. So when, when did you guys move to Bloomington? Oh God, you're going to ask me for dates. Um, <laughs> well, cause this, cause this book basically ends in 93 or 94. Is that, that, that's when you and Steve got married? Yeah, we got married in 94. Yeah. So Dallin was six when we moved to Indiana. Uh-huh. And he was born in 96, so uh, 2002. 2002. Okay, I thought it was Jackie in the Jackie was a baby. Yeah. Okay. So it was 2002. I thought it had been earlier. because and, and you had two stints in Bloomington. Yeah. So we did four years where Steve got his PhD at IU. Uh-huh. And then we moved for his first job to Atlanta. That was yeah. two years. And then we came back to replace his old professor yeah. Um, at IU. And then we were there for seven. So it's okay. 11 total. Yeah. It just seems longer because it was over 13. Yeah. It, well, it does. And it like 2002, even though it's what <laughs> I'm trying to do the math now, 15 years ago or what, whatever that, no, it'd be yeah. more than that. 16, 17 years ago. Is that yeah. right? 17 yeah. years. Ago? It seems insane to me. Yeah. 2002 does not seem like it was that long ago. Well, that's because we have such this big lifespan of being old. Yeah, we, right. <laughs> <laughs> relatively speaking, it's not that long ago. Yeah. But Dallin's 22 now. He's going to be 23 this summer. Yeah. So, so I, so, so strolling down memory lane. I mean, the the first, the first memory that I have of both of you is of, of is of Steve more than you because I remember during that first stint when you were in Bloomington. Um, like I knew who Steve was kind of from elders quorum, Mm -hmm. quiet guy, you know? Um, and, uh, what, what did I do? I like the first time we did any interaction with him was with, um, Oh, Mike, whatever his last name was. And we had a poker night and invited Steve over to the house. And, um, I, that's, that's the first that I remembered of him. And that, and I don't, I don't really even remember back in 2002, 2003, when all the stuff would have been going on, where my head exactly was with the church. Right. I, I know I was teaching gospel doctrine and right. I probably, remember teaching that. So I, so I, want, <laughs> I, I, and I know I like from previous conversations that you weren't too sure about this whole Glenn Oslin guy and the influence well, on I, your husband. No, I wasn't. So, so I was, you know, completely orthodox in the bubble, of course. Yeah. And you were teaching gospel doctrine. And I loved going to your classes, for one, because um, because it was so different from the norm, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, I was, like, really all in true believing, but, but I liked a little flavor and spice. And so mm. you would ask these questions that everybody was not used to thinking about. Mm. Um, and, then, and that scared me a little, yeah. if I'm honest, but I... But it also was kind of thrilling to watch the dynamic and what what people's comments were. Yeah, your lessons because they were different. And then, then, oh man, that was so nice. They were fun. I liked it, but the, but there was always the pushback. You know, there were the people who really enjoyed it, and then the people who were like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, no, this is not the way to do it." And no, that that's well, what ultimately it, it went out. It threatens their bubble. You can't yeah. you can't threaten someone else's belief. Yeah, apparently. Right. <laughs> yeah. But well, you. You did it in a smooth and calming way. It's not that you were at all, I don't remember you being at all combative or um, pushy with different viewpoints. It just was, it was like clean and calm, but it was different. Well, thank thank you for saying, it's interesting to hear that. Um, I I, I didn't have any kind of malicious intent. I didn't have like (laughs) the agenda that I was trying to unravel people's belief yeah. or I was trying to pop people's bubble. It's just like, that's how I think that's, that's the way that I approach the scriptures and the stories in the scriptures. And especially as I was there um, to, to, you know, get a graduate degree in folklore, I was filtering things through 
you know, that paradigm that I was learning. And yeah. Yeah. So, so, so then, um, and I think it, it, it must've been your second stint, um, when you guys came back to Bloomington that I became more aware of like Steve's, I, I think I kind of knew his disaffection with the, the church or not disaffection, but disillusionment with a lot of things. But when yeah. you guys came back, he was put in the bishopric almost immediately, right? <laughs> he was, and I, he accepted that. He, he, I mean, he didn't eat or sleep for a couple of days yeah. thinking about it. He didn't want to do it, but our son was 12, yeah, and he was going to have to have those six-month interviews with, like, someone else who was more um, mm. orthodox, right? Yeah. So he thought, well, if I take this bishopric role, I can interview Dallin. Yeah. Protect him from from all of that. Yeah. Nobody needs to be asking any child those questions, but but certainly not someone who um, is a little just the social dynamic and understanding. And twelve years old. Oh, yeah. So yeah. so he he took it. But not for himself, for sure. I mean, he he would have been happy leaving the church years ago, if I'm... Yeah. I can say that. I, I'm going to try not to speak for him too much. Of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But, but, but even, even as you're giving your impressions, it's not, it's not really you're speaking for him. This is just what you've observed. So, you know, you right. take a grain of salt. And this is what I think is going on. This is what I think. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I get that. I respect that. Um, and, and then... At, at some point you started going through your own faith crisis. And I remember mm. how shocking that was kind of to me because I, I had always known, but I, I had always known that you, you were more accepting of certain things, you know, like with, with my daughter, Shaylee, who's, who's Dallin's age. Um, and you know, like the ways that you would accept her and that other people kind of, didn't you know it, it was it was yeah. unique but well, I, never... I saw her as human first <laughs> and yeah. mormon second yeah and that's that's high ranking for yeah. mormonism should not be second but most people put it first yeah where's your standing in the church what is your calling like we get we get updates from family members about you know their their high um callings or new callings and uh, that shouldn't be important. Yeah. I don't think that's important. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I, I knew that there was something there that was kind of different about the way that you saw things. Uh, but it really wasn't until that, that faith crisis. And then, I don't know, it was probably like a year or two years of this span that, um, you know, we'd get together. I don't know if it wasn't, it was never like once a month, but it was like, you know, every other regular. month or something like that, quite, you know, regular. And there were about four yeah. couples and, you know, Jake and Erica was part of that and the Camos, And then you guys, it was and, the and best. It was time. fun getting together, playing poker and just, you know, like enjoying each other. Yeah. It was, that yeah. was really nice. Um, it was, and, that was an important time for me just to be, cause I was, I was transitioning, you know, and I was, yeah, I loved being Mormon. I mean, yeah. I totally dug being Mormon because of the community and the support and all of that. And that was new to me. So for 20 years, I, I just loved it. Yeah. Hung on to it. Did whatever they told me to do. Yeah. With, with a little flavor, but still did it, you know. Sure. But the, the so our group was just an opportunity for me to like breathe for a second. Yeah. And, um, and consider what is it that I... But I think, what do I, what do I want to do? Because every decision had been made, you know, with the profit in the background, right? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was really a sweet time. It, it, it was. And then, and I don't, rem I think, I think Jake and Erica moved away first and then you and Steve yeah. went to Orlando and then Kristen and I are like, well, what are we going to do? And so we <laughs> they eventually moved to Arizona. We're like, we're, like our group yeah. of friends are gone. And, and uh, yeah. So uh, and, and then it was, it really, I think it was, um, you, you texted Krista when Jake had his cardiac arrest. That's how yeah. we found out about it. And then in, in the course of the back and forth there, I found out that you had written this book and, oh, yeah. and you published it <laughs> like a few months earlier. So September, 2018 is when, when it came out. 
Just before, yeah, yeah. It was the it was the full moon, I think, in August. The full moon. Uh, yeah, timed perfectly. Went a little <laughs> there. Yeah. I love it. And <laughs> uh and I and I remember even even in Indiana that you got involved in in writing and you were doing mm-hmm. things like that. So I was so happy to see it. And then you sent me a copy. Um it, it took a while through the holidays before I sat down to start reading it, but I got through it um I mean within two days. It's 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 so easy to read. It's mm-hmm. so powerful. Um, and some of the imagery in here just is amazing. But the story that this tells Tammy, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> Tammy, I need little bits and pieces of this. I didn't know the full thing. Yeah. And I thought this is something that I've got to share with the listeners of Infants on Thrones because it's so, you, you know, for, for how long we knew each other and we were kind of, in each other's worlds, I never really knew you. I still don't really know all of the things that go on. And that was so clear as I was reading through this memoir about your life and where you came from and the role that Mormonism played in it. But, and that's a piece of it, but there's, you know, it's a much bigger story than that. And um, so So, anyway, you know, the world is made up of colors and shapes, and I see all that. But when I see people, everyone has a story like this. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and for the most part, um, you know, women haven't been able to say a lot of things. But their realities have been harsh yeah. and horrible, yeah. but beautiful at the same time. And so yeah. I feel like we're in a place now as a culture or as a society that we can talk about them, although it's still shocking. Like sure. I, I almost feel like I need to prep somebody before they buy it. Like, okay, just yeah. brace yourself. This right. could be, <laughs> it, <laughs> this it, is not your normal book. It's yeah. not your normal story, but it is. That's the thing. It, it is, it is more common than we're comfortable seeing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I used to travel a lot and for work and, and I would, I would be in the airport, I'd be around all these people. And I would think every single person around me has their own story. You know, they're the center of their own universe that, you know, that's, that's what the world is to them. It was one of the things I loved about the television show lost when that came out. I don't, oh yeah. That, yeah. That how all these strangers on an airplane and then each episode is devoted to finding out a little bit of peeling back the onion of who this person is, what they're bringing to this group. And um, I always thought that that would be really interesting to find out the stories of the people around me. And so here's, here's this one from you. So I, I I'd like to read a section in here and this is you don't have page numbers i know in the book which is interesting but this is this is part of chapter 21 so it's it's way into your story but i felt like this paragraph right here kind of sums up to me at least what this book is really about and so i want to read this to you and and get your thoughts on this so um you say When kids feel alone and their family sucks, having someone outside who understands can feel dot, 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 uplifting. (laughs) Like you're thinking about, what's the right word here? (laughs) Uplifting. A lot of church teachings and lessons teach us, uh, teach towards living an ideal life. And that can be uplifting too. But we all start our progress from different places. Assuming everybody's life is peachy doesn't help when it's not. My favorite lessons and testimonies are from people who have an understanding of suffering and choose to make their lives better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah. The, my favorite. Okay. I don't think I put this in there so I can share. Um, There was a testimony meeting once. I think it was in Bloomington, but it could have actually, I think it was in Utah, which makes it even more of a contrast. But this man, this ginormous man uh, stood up to go, you know, walk to the podium to bear his testimony. And he had a short sleeve button up on with no tie. Mm. So first of all, and then, you know, this like men have very few choices, right? So what you wear is important, but also he had this beard Mm. In Utah, Provo County. And he had all these tattoos down his arms, not sleeves, really. It's just like little vignettes uh, down to his wrists. And 
he stood up and gave the most beautiful, sincere testimony. Wasn't even, I mean, that word is like not enough, but it was the most beautiful thing and it brought me to tears. Mm -hmm. And what was sad too, though, is I knew, um, I knew, I'm all in at this point still, but I knew that a lot of people would just dismiss what he said. Just because of the way he looked. Because of how he looked. Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite thing is to get to the core of someone. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. Right? And those, those conversations, um, reading memoirs and talking to people about their own stories, that's just, that's just the stuff life is made of. I, if I yeah. that on a regular, I'd be happy. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I thought as I was reading through this memoir. I don't read memoirs. Like, I'm used to reading, like, these academic or, you know, like, modeling after academic kind of texts. And I get yeah. information from it, and it's valuable to me. But I can get really bored in it, too. And, mm-hmm. and, but this was just so accessible and, and real and exposing, you know, here's, here's the core. Yeah, there you go. Here it is. <laughs> so I, the, the way I feel about this, um, you know, t- in talking about your book, and, and I, it's your thing, so I'll, I'll respect how you want to do it. But I, I don't feel like um, – I, I, I feel like giving spoilers is okay because the real power in this book is the way that it's written and the way that it makes you feel when you read it. So, that, so even giving spoilers about, like, some of the, the – the most impactful parts of your story yeah. aren't really spoiling anything, but I, I, if there's things that you want to hold back. No, I'm, I'm totally fine with talking about okay. any of it. And, and actually I was curious, you know, where, where your questions would go. Like uh, what would Glenn ask about? Yeah. You know? Well, you'll find it out says something about each person. Sure. Right? <laughs> it does. Yeah. 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 So, so, so you start the story, um, what you're 22 years old yeah. and, and you're a telemarketer. Um, and were you in Michigan or Wisconsin? It was one of the two. I was in Wisconsin okay. and my, um, I grew up with a mom, no dad. And my yeah. mom's parents lived in Michigan. Okay. Right. And I right. saw them like three or four times my entire life, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I was working as a telemarketer and I called my grandparents just was, just because you were like bored as a telemarketer and you wanted to talk to somebody and you're like, eh, I'm doing this anyway. I, I, mean, I don't know what I was telling myself. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you can, like, if you, when you read it, you can, it all points to, um, well, it points to various uh, things. But, but I, I find out in a few months after I arrive in Michigan that I'm pregnant. Yeah. So I think, I think I called them because. You know, some part of my hormone was talking to some part of my brain. And okay, so so when you called them, you were pregnant, but you didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't yeah. get that part. Okay, because because you kind of skip around in time a little bit. Yeah. And you're telling yeah. kind of more the story of the things that are important r- rather than the chronology, uh, right, of, right. of the impact. Okay, so I think there was just some sequences there where I don't even know myself what I'm doing. Sure. What the hell? Why would I call them? Um, so, so you, you don't, you, you, you allude to several things that happen before you're 22, like yeah. at, at age 16, your mom kicks you out of your house, Yeah, the things that you talk about when you were three and, you know, like, uh, you know, very, very, very young. Um, but, but I was, I was curious, um, what your history was like, um, with the church at what point you grew up. And I know you attended a little bit, but then kind of not, so that when you went back to church later on, it wasn't like a brand new conversion. It was a, a, a reconversion to this. Yeah. What, what was that like? Your mom joined the church? Yeah. So I wrote, I wrote the, you know, the first version of all of this was like birth to age 22. Mm. And that's just too much. It's boring. Like, I don't know if you've read The Glass Castle, but it's like every chapter after chapter is like, and then this bad thing happened, and then this bad thing happened. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of monotonous. Um, so the second version, this part where I, I just do one year of time, mm-hmm. um, I had to include some things from the past, but um, it's just, it's it's maybe I'll do that sometime in the future. But I, so my mother birth mother 
joined the church when I was two. Okay. Um, I think the, the, you know, two handsome young missionaries came to the door and she let them in because that was, that's what she would do. Um, they were probably cute, you know, mm-hmm. and she, um, she used to talk about, she had a beer. Oh, I'm getting tense. Um, she had a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And that's how, that's how she first learned about the church. But we would go, she joined and um, we would go to church. And this was in Wisconsin? In Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, she would go to church and act like everything was fine. So for three hours of each week, um, life was safe. And um, at home, everything stayed the same. And in a lot of ways, she just carried on these traditions of her fathers, you know, of her, of her family. But um, so I had this view of like church is wonderful, but temporary and not part of reality. Um, And I was taught just like any other kid and except for only, you know, the nice parts. And, um, (laughs) and I went to young women's, but then when I was 16 and kicked out, um, I was focused on like, you know, where am I going to sleep? Where am I going to stay? And, and trying to stay in school, but work jobs to make money at the same time. And so I wasn't thinking about church too much. So I, I stopped going at 16 and then, and then um, started again when I was 22. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 so basically from age three to 16, you did go. Yeah. If not every week, mostly every week. I would say half time or more. Okay. Yeah. Right. Two out of the four Sundays we were probably there. Yeah. My mom didn't um, drive for, uh, I guess when I started middle school, she wasn't driving anymore. She had uh, multiple sclerosis. Mm. And um, so people would give us rides. We were that family, mm. you know, the, the poor um, family that was constantly in need of service that was barely able to get back you know the family like every word's got families like this so those top 10 families who do all the work they're they're constantly helping us and helping us move and that kind of thing yeah and then you you had siblings as well you've got a brother jeff is that right and he's older than you or younger than you he's a year younger okay but he was taller and um fierce he was kind of fierce and, and then Diana, who's what, six years older? Is that right? Something like you're four. I think she's seven years older. Okay. So she left. Um, my mom had actually been married to her father and um, uh, he filed for custody after they got divorced. And so when I was four, she was seven and that's when she left. And so she, I always felt like she was kind of rescued, you know, mm-hmm. she got out. Um, uh, yeah. Jeff and I didn't. So Jeff was a year younger and he was blonde. He had blonde hair and blue eyes, most beautiful blue eyes. And um, when he was about nine, I guess, he started getting into trouble, going to like juvie on and off and Mm. doing some really crazy stuff for a nine-year-old. Yeah. But he was as tall as a high schooler. Okay. All right. So, so that's kind of the family background, um, you know, and so that your, your book starts, you're 22 years old, you're pregnant, but you don't know it yet. And the reader doesn't know that yet. Um, Mm -hmm. And you've got this interest in reconnecting with family. And so you, you call your grandpa, find out that your, your grandmother's in ill health, you offer to go and help them. And so you just kind of quit your job that day, drive to Michigan and just live with your grandparents. And, um, you know, the, 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 the interaction between you and your grandparents is, is strained. There's a lot of stuff there, but then when you go to that coffee shop with, or the diner for coffee with your grandpa and he drops mm-hmm. some truth bombs on you, I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Holy shit. So do you want to tell, you want to talk about what that, what that was like? For okay. You? Yeah. So, um, I was just been there like a day and I just got there and it's the next day and we're going to go to the grocery store. This is the big major event of the week is to go to the grocery store. And, um, 
He's kind of flirting with the waitress, which is uncomfortable, but not surprising. Like that's his flavor. He's, uh, he's kind of perpetually horny, but I, it just sounds bad to say that. Um, anyway, so we sit down and, and we get It's coffee. nothing compared to what you wrote. <laughs> I know, I know, but, but this is like adult me, right? Like, yeah, right. And my life is, is so flipped from all of that. So yeah, it's yeah. tense to like revisit it. I, I, yeah. I actually felt great publishing the book because I, I could let go a little bit. Oh, good. Like it's yeah. done, right? And he goes, so we sit down at this diner and, um, and I ask him, who's my father? Mm-hmm. Do you know? And he, um, cause I'm convinced at this point, my brother and I have the same, um, man listed on our birth certificates, but, but I mean, it can't be, it just can't be. And there's so much, there's such a difference between the way my mother treated me and then the way she treated him. He was almost revered in a way. And, um, and I wasn't, and. So we sit down and I ask him and he says he doesn't know. And he starts going and like, I don't know what could motivate him to tell. What what would you tell someone your darkest, most um, evil deeds you've ever done in your life? But um, he's, he's so creepy. Anyway, uh, he says, you know, that he was sent to jail because he molested my mother and she got pregnant when she was 11 years old. Um, and he went to prison for six years because she, um, and he's, you know, he's swearing and, and like, you know, um, not kind about her, like blaming her, right. right? Calling her that little bitch. To, yeah. To, thank you yeah. for saying that. Cause I have, you know, like this is interesting because, um, I have people from all facets of my life, my Orthodox family and my non-member friends, right? So it's just an interesting, I have to balance. Um, right, sure. saying that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he blames her, but he, so he comes back. At 11 years old, my mother is sent away. This, this is very typical of the women's story, but they never got to tell that. But she's sent away to another state to either have the baby or to have uh, an abortion. Although I don't think that was probably what happened, but, but no one ever speaks about it. No one ever talked about it. So we don't know what happened, but she comes back. And she she said that it was his, that she, she had a, she was was impregnated by her own father. That's why he went to jail, but, but, and, and he wasn't denying it. But he yes, was, um, but he was still angry about it. But like, right, who like, else would she have been fooling around with at age eleven? It's horrible. Eleven. Oh, yes. it's horrible. Like, it's horrible. Oh. oh, right. So, like, as a parent now, I can see my daughter when she was eleven years oh. old, and not even then. Like, how long was he having sex with right. her before that? Right, because she suddenly goes through puberty and she's pregnant almost immediately. So. Oh, you know, how long? But um, and, so and his excuse for six years. Oh yeah, yeah. Has, go ahead. Yeah. So she's gone for six years, or he's gone for six years, and she she is allowed, I guess, to um, grow up a little bit during that time. Um, and he comes home. She's seventeen years old, and my mom has a boyfriend. Um, they've never had sex, and they're kind of you know serious like uh, falling in love I guess for you know the first mm-hmm. time she's able to have have those feelings and he comes back and suddenly she's pregnant again oh her 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 father oh when he gets out yes. of jail yeah right yes right. so he gets out of jail and he's back and she's pregnant again and so her boyfriend marries her to get her out of the house mm. I mean these stories though I feel like Everyone's got some story back in their family. And it's always at the expense of a woman. I, I feel like there's some power in just saying what's true. And my mom, she would never, she would never have said these things to anyone, let alone in a book or sure. talk about it on a podcast. But but yeah. I have choice. I can do it. <laughs> right. And and it, you know, like 
there, there's a lot of ways that you could look at your mom, you know, like you, you could, yeah. you could look at your mom as being very, um, heartless, like she does not treat you well at all. And there's yeah. several encounters in the book where that's on full display and what that's like in real life must be even, you know, more real than <laughs> what you have in that book. And so you could look at her as this kind of monster figure, but then yeah, realize I did when I was 14, 15, 16. Yes. And then you realize I mean, what she went through. Yeah. Yeah. You can't blame her then. Right. And, and like, yeah. and, and then there's this like instinct for compassion against, uh, you know, towards this person that otherwise just seems so devoid of any compassion. Yeah. You know, like how confusing that must be. For you. It is. It, it is. Confu- it has been. So I don't, um, there is a separation of emotion. So I, I feel for her mm. and I don't blame her hundred percent. Don't blame her. Although mm, I shouldn't say that. I mean, we all have choices. <laughs> sure, sure. We all have choice. Like I, I, um, I feel like I had a lot of things happen to me and I had choice about how I was going to react to that. Yeah. Maybe she just didn't feel like she had any choices. I don't know, but um, I don't blame her. I I totally blame him. Yeah. <laughs> I have real men issues. <laughs> yeah. 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 But- and and the, the response that he gave you that, that you wrote about um, when he was in that diner, there were two things that really stuck out to me. It's just mm. so horrendous and one he 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 blamed his um sexual uh abuse on the war because yeah, there the was military. a bomb that there was a bomb that went off near him and he's had a semi erection ever since yeah yeah that was like what the hell are you telling like what what yeah. I, I and then when when he's telling you that your mother at 11 had a child, he says something like, but it's okay because that child didn't live anyway. Yeah. And I just went, what? What kind of a mind feels that, thinks that, or then thinks it's, it's right to share that with you in this like day after that you've been back. And as, as I'm having this conversation with you, I'm recognizing that I'm laughing a lot. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. It's and okay. I, okay. I'm, I, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just the way that I'm dealing with the offense right? of this. And which is an interesting study in itself. Sure. Like how do people deal with really crazy shit? Excuse my language. Yeah. Uh, that happens to them or in their, in their own lives or yeah. in the lives of their parents. How do you frame that? You know, sure. what is your, your, reaction and then like how does the reaction change over time so laughing is definitely a good way to go okay good job thanks um i i think i i mean i drank a lot in um, middle yeah. school and high school and a little after that i um i just needed to not feel anything yeah and the story about how you got your car and especially those pink stripes Oh yeah. yeah! Wow, I love those stripes. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't going to put that in there, and I, I, you know, I submitted the chapter to my writing group, which we do uh, twice a month, and and um, that was one of the questions. So there's one man in my writing group, and now the rest are women, and mm-hmm. he wanted to know more about the car, right? Mm-hmm. And the the dynamics of how that came about. So I oh, the, the, the dynamics of how that came about, and we can go ahead and keep that a mystery. So if anybody wants to find out, they can get your book and read about it, but there you know, you go. it's, it's yeah. very revelatory of how, you know, so, so I, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about lately is the way that our, the, the, the imprint that we make in the world impacts other people and the imprint that they make in the world impacts us. And it's, it's so detailed and complex. And, the, you know, like the, I, I simplify it by thinking of like a, a very smooth surface of a, of a pond or something that you drop a pebble in and there's these ripples. And then if you drop another pebble next to it, the ripples hit the ripples. And then the more of those that you have, there's just like these ripples and, you know, like 
you can get all woo-woo new age and go talk about vibrations and stuff, but that's actually yeah. really what's going on. And we are, yeah. making, we are making vibrations and ripples and things like that in the world, even through our emotions and stuff like that all the time. And how that interacts and forms us and then the choices that we make form us, you know, so it's, so that, that was kind of the mindset that I had as I was going into this. So I'm looking at all these things that you're talking about and going, wow, wow, that's amazing. And then the way that those, those different influences pushed you and moved you in different directions and the choices that you made pushed you in in different directions. It's just such an interesting story. So I think that detail about the, the way that the car you got those pink stripes and and all, all the little details that you added in that just just added that context and flavor and mm-hmm. yeah all right so you're th- then then as you're there with your grandparents you you have this urge for a family reunion to reconnect with your mom and your brother and your sister and an uncle right that yeah that yeah seen forever Bert. Mm-hmm. And so you reach out to them and then you explain that they, they all show up except for your brother because your brother is at home with his pregnant wife mm-hmm. and 17 year old stepdaughter who is also pregnant with his child. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. And his, his wife. So he's 21 at the time. Oh. I'm 22. And his wife was 39, 40 oh years old, something. Gosh. Right. Wow. And so her daughter is his age, basically. And, you know, predatory behavior, right? Like he probably, that was probably a factor in why yeah. they got married. Yeah. I mean, it's... I guess there's a chance he could listen to this. But like you said, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I'm telling what I saw and that is a truth. And if you don't want someone to talk about your truth, then don't do something that you don't yeah. want to be a reality you like you live your life the way that you think yeah uh, i don't I, he and, just and doesn't seem to have any any fence any barrier around uh, he's just carrying on the traditions i guess that's but, right yeah that's the you yeah. know like the it's it's these echoes that reverberate you know from generation to generation and and yeah. you know that's no excuse no, but it's, but no, it's, it's an influential not. factor in it. And, you know, anyway, so, so you have this family reunion mm-hmm. and it's not great. Not great. I don't know what I was thinking, really. <laughs> well, you, you, uh, you, you, were, you were thinking that you, you uh, another book that I've been reading recently is called Social um, by Matthew... I forget. I can, I can give you the reference later, but the book social and it, and it just talks about the way that we're wired, you know, the, the, the way that we have evolved through hundreds of thousands of years in the safety of very close tight knit groups. And we have evolved to desire that connection. And you grew up without that connection. And, And through the course of this book, as, as you eventually come to the, come back to the Mormon church, you find that connection there. And it's not, it, it, it's a, a, there's, there's very solid biological evidence showing why, you know, so, so like you might say, I don't know what I was thinking, right. but oh, you had this yeah. urge to, to have that social connection with your family and right. to, to forgive the things in the past. If it means that you can have that connection to give them another chance to, to show that love and to, to grow that love, to give them a chance to do it. So I don't think there's any, you know, like you shouldn't feel bad or anything about like, what was I thinking? Why would I do that? But, um, you know, it just, it, it, it's instructive of your core and what's important to you and what you want. And so you bring them together. It doesn't work out, uh, very well at all. And then you, you find out that you're pregnant. Yeah. Within like a week or two after the reunion, so that is, yeah, that didn't go very well and that's over. And I'm, I've got this job at a local grocery store to fill some time mm-hmm. because my, I mean, my heart was beating faster than my grandparents, you know, like I needed more um, to do besides crossword puzzles and uh, Lawrence Welk. So <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I got a little I, job. I got to and- tell you, I can't see Lawrence Welk now anymore without thinking of the Saturday Night Live version with Kristen Wiig and the little hands coming out. <laughs> like that's, I just think trying to pop the bubbles. Oh, that's that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, they love that. So I, I had this little job, and it's when I was getting ready for the job to go to work um, after showering that I noticed just this tiny, slight change in my body mm-hmm. just from kind of a boxy girl. I mean, totally hot, but like boxy girl. <laughs> I love the way you <laughs> talked about yourself, by the way, with that, you know, like it, it, that, and that would be interesting for, for, you know, the, the listeners of infants on thrones, at, at least when we do surveys and I ask questions, uh, the, the respondents are, um, you know, 75%. Uh, or, or, you know, men, you know, m- mostly men that listen yeah. to infants on thrones that don't always get the female perspective on things. So it's, it's interesting um, if, if you could share more about how you felt about yourself and your body and just what you had to offer and how that. Oh, you know. okay. So, um, yeah, I was totally hot, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, I felt like my purpose in in being alive was to um, to be looked at by men, to have sex with men whenever they wanted to. Mm. This is my purpose. Like the first time I find out in the diner, the first time I ever no, that's in the, from the dream. I had a dream while I was there in Michigan. Anyway. First time I had sex with a man, I was four years old. And so... Um, and you remembered that in the dream, right? Yeah. That, that was one of your mom's boyfriends. Yeah, Ralph. Yeah, and the, the perfect name for it. I know, right? I know. It makes you just want a Ralph when you... When you but, yeah. But, and, and the way that you wrote that, too, was so simple and powerful because you, you're talking about this dream and you said, he took it from me. Yeah. And you don't elaborate on what that is. And then he t- well, and I, I didn't even remember. I, yeah. I didn't know this growing up. So I grew up without that memory, right? Uh-huh. And a lot of memories, like a lot of years are just kind of voids. But I think that's a good thing because I was able to grow up without that, um, you know, plastered across my forehead, so to speak. But mm-hmm. so, so this is my purpose in life. And, um, and the other thing that was very clear to me from a young age is you can use your body in order to get something that you want. So if I am hungry because I have no food, I can use my body to feed myself. If I need pink stripes on my awesome car. Oh, you gave it away. Sorry. You just gave it away. That's all right. It's your book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can use my body to get what I need. Yeah. And, and, so it's the opposite. It's the opposite of what, what your body should be used for. And honestly, this, I'm going to mute my phone. This is like, um, this goes into like me now. I'm going to be 50 years old this summer, mm-hmm. which is also shocking. Right. But uh, I still don't feel comfortable um, with the, the things like connecting and emotions and true love and um, just being, I feel unsafe almost all the time. Mm. And I don't know how to erase that. Yeah. I don't know how to fix that, but I've come so far. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also, there's something, you know, I grew up with this brother. We were in the same house. We were, we, same mother. Um, we even went to school at the same time. And um, he did not see that there was anything wrong with what was going on. And I almost always did. I always had a feeling of like, this is not, huh, not even ideal. This is, this is wrong. This is so wrong. And so, so he, he was abusing you as you were growing up? later when he started, um, he started when he was nine, he started drinking and, um, hanging out with older guys that were doing crazy stuff. Like I remember this time I was laying out in the sun, which is in Wisconsin. It's 
Yeah. It's just a, a really a wish more than a reality. <laughs> um, and there was a meadow by our apartment complex and this girl came out of the meadow and she was kind of arranging her dress. She must've been like 10 years old or something. And I think I was, I think I was 13, something like this. And, um, and then she comes out, walks to this other building and goes in and she just is looking around like she's kind of scared and terrified. I knew, I knew exactly what had happened to her. Um, that look of, of self-preservation and fear and pain, physical pain and also emotional pain. And, um, and then my brother comes out of the meadow with this other guy and I know what he's done. And he walks right past, he looks at me, but he, um, he just kept walking. So this is, I mean, how does that happen? What did he do in the meadow? I didn't follow that. Oh, he totally raped her. They, they totally oh, they took raped a girl her. in. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I missed that. Yeah. So, so at nine years old, you know, I think when he was 10, he got his first girl pregnant, like, um, just this void of anything good. So how can two people grow up in the same place and like have completely different, um, ethical radars i don't understand but but i you know i used to tell myself well i was just born more advanced than he was i was my spirit is just way more advanced than his was but i don't know if that's true i i really don't understand why Um, but i'm glad i'm glad that i always um saw that as off and and it's allowed me you know to think that other possibilities can can also be mine. I, I can have a life that is beautiful and wonderful because I am beautiful and wonderful and um, I don't have to be what they were. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. But just, the, just this, this environment that you grew up in and the ways that it shaped you, even unconsciously, probably mainly unconsciously. Mainly unconsciously. Um, you know, like pushing those things out of your immediate awareness because it's just too painful, but it's still there. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you're saying now, it's still hard to trust because it, you were betrayed at every turn. <laughs> you know, yeah. like every, everyone that was supposed to be there to trust uh, you, know, to put your trust in, let you down and, and learning that from a very early age in such stark ways. Um, I, I, it's just, it, it, it's why when I finished reading this book, I just had tears in my eyes for mm-hmm. you and for, for, for you and Steve. And just like, this is a person that I've known for so long and I had no idea. I'm getting tears in my eyes now. <laughs> had no <laughs> idea that, that, you know, like the things that I complain about, <laughs> you know, the, the things when I think my life is hard, just you know pale in comparison um all right so i so i want to get back to your story here because there's some parts in your book that i want to read and we've got we've kind of gotten to that that point where you discover that you're pregnant and you have this choice that you're going to make you know like what what are you going to do and and you made the choice to get an abortion and yeah. uh you you write about what that was like and so i want to read um this you you're, you have these questions um and and you say i haven't been to the mormon church since i was 16 but still i wonder what they would say about a baby all those sunday lessons never once assumed that one of the girls in my class would get pregnant before getting blissfully married in the temple i wonder if the boys had the same chastity lessons and then this point these next couple of paragraphs, you got them in italics because they're just so poignant. These questions that were going through your head. At what point does a baby spirit enter into the body? Is it 13 weeks? Is that why the abortion clinic I called yesterday does not do abortions after 12 weeks? That's not the sciency answer, not the doctor answer. Is the spirit in there when it starts to move? Probably, maybe. If I got an abortion, would the spirit of this baby be reassigned to another body? Or is this its only chance to be born? Would I ruin this person's chance to live on earth? Would God work it out and not blame the baby spirit for my actions? I can't wrap my brain around the thought that I might wield that much eternal power or any power at all. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. Like there's so much going on in, in those words, in those thoughts. Um, and you say, I have so many questions and then you, then you go on. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you could really say it any better than you said it there, but I, you know, like what a decision to make that a man never really has to ask those questions. You know, like I, the closest, the closest I, I experience I have to that um, is, and, and you know, my first wife, Tracy, um, but between Shaylee and Emma, uh, she miscarried and probably about, I don't know. It was maybe about 12 weeks or so. No, it maybe wasn't that long. I don't know how long it was, but it was really sad. It was, it was sad. It was devastating for her. It was devastating for me, although in a different way. And I asked myself similar questions about, you know, like the spirit baby and, you know, like, okay, does that then mean that the spirit comes in the next child? You know, there's these, these questions that you ask, but to have that, like, I didn't have to feel responsible for those things where, where Tracy did, even though it was an accident, even though it was a miscarriage, you know, feeling that responsibility. uh, Can you, can you talk about that a little bit more? What that's, what that experience is like. So, um, so I never thought I would include this part. Mm. Uh, originally I was writing this for my kids because I wanted them to see a different view. You know, we've given them this beautiful kind of sheltered yeah. life, you know, um, I just wanted them to see it from a different perspective, uh, and maybe understand my, um, imperfectness, you know, um, but it's in the end I put it in. I um I've never really been able to talk about it. And I never actually could say the word, you know. Mm-hmm. And when I told Steve um when we were dating and kind of getting closer to being engaged, I think I, I told him. But I didn't actually say it. He kind of guessed after I started crying, but um, so the responsibility uh, is mine. It's entirely mine. Mm. And it was a choice I made to not be like my mother. Mm-hmm. At that point, I would have been able to um, give a child nothing because I wasn't able to give myself anything mm-hmm. at all. Um, I could have given the baby up for adoption. I could have had the baby and done that. I would have had to live at my grandparents' house, I think, to do that. Mm-hmm. And at that point, um, my grandpa hadn't, I mean, I think I say in the book that later he gets into bed with me that year he gets into bed with me after my abortion and he, you know, wants to have sex. And I, so I'm glad that I didn't have to stay there longer. Yeah. But could I have done better? Yeah, I could have done better. Oh, I'm kind of, I'm, it kind of makes me sad that you feel that way, that you're still okay, kind of I'm like, just being, I, I, know. I, know, no, I, I know you're being honest about what you're feeling and yeah. I, it's, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to, to say, to, to, I can't even, I can't even put myself in your shoes to. So I think that women in particular, and maybe it's a Mormon thing. I don't know. Cause I, I didn't spend t- those 20 years doing something else. I was Mormon for 20. So maybe it's a Mormon thing, but that, that push to like every Sunday in relief society, the push to be better, to be more perfect, to earn your salvation, right? Um, that was passionate. I was passionate about that because I needed, to, I needed to earn because I had done so many things wrong. And that's that framework of sin and um, redemption that the church gave, it was helpful in that there was a way to feel better about those things. Yeah. But it was also like an internal damnation kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, um, 
later before I met Steve, I was applying to go on a mission. I was going to, I wanted right. to be a missionary. Yeah. And um, they have rules. You can't have an abortion and go on a mission. Right. You, um, there are just hard, fast rules. And um, so that was rejected, but yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Well, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to read another part from your book and this is a hard, <laughs> this, this is, <laughs> this is hard stuff. Um, so you, you go through with it um, and you describe what it's like being in the clinic oh. and being oh. on the table. Yeah. Um, and you say they repeatedly tell me not to move. It's very important that you do not move in this video that they showed you. Um, and so you say, one second, I'm fine. Nervous breathing, short and fast, but fine. The nurse is holding my hand really tight. And the next, this incredible pain. I'm screaming. Mm -hmm. Of course, even with all the coaching, I try to get away from the pain, my lifelong quest, which is... Yeah. And move my bottom away from the doctor and his machine. Mm -hmm. They are upset with me. <laughs> and right. that, that, that your thought is that, oh, I've disappointed them, you know, in that moment. Oh, wow. Um, so, and then consequently, the fetus is torn, the doctor says. I have to go back in and try to get all of it out. But there may be some tissue left in there attached to the uterine wall. Seven months later, when I'm in jail, my body naturally expels the rest while talking to a visitor through the bulletproof window. I suddenly double over, groaning with pain. I see concern and frustration on my visitor's face because she can't catch me. Yet she still reaches out her hands. I will always appreciate the look in her eyes of love and compassion. That, that is so... <laughs> like concise and powerful writing of like, wait a minute. Okay. We're talking about abortion. And now you're like seven months later when I'm in jail, what yeah. there's more that's going to happen here. Yeah. And who is this person on the other side of the story? And we find out later who that is. Yeah. Just like from a writing perspective, it's so good and powerful and like setting up these things that are going to happen later, but just, Oh, Tammy. Thank you. Tammy. Yes. <laughs> this, is, this is more than just something that you wrote in the book. You lived it and you still have those experiences and those memories and thoughts and feelings, even if it's just in your subconscious inside of you. And oh, mm -hmm. ah, I don't know what to say yeah. about that. There's a, there's a part of me that, um, you know, at the risk of being too real, like there's a part of me that always feels less than. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. There's a, and maybe everyone feels this. But on a core level of humanity, I just um I'm okay with sitting back and letting other people have the light shine on them because um sometimes when the light is so bright like you can see things that are disagreeable or um, socially inappropriate, you know, socially uncomfortable, but, socially but, the, uncomfortable. but, the, but the, the bravery, Tammy, uh, like, like the, the, the bravery and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm being presumptuous. I'm always presumptuous. I'm, I'm a presumptuous person. So <laughs> I apologize if I'm too presumptuous here, but the, 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 the health that you have being in the place that you're in to be comfortable to share this with other people and to, to be brave is so admirable. Like I have so much respect for that. And I know I, you know, having done this podcast for as long as I have and hearing back from listeners, I know this is going to be really impactful to a lot of people, women, especially men as well. Mm. And I, I mean, just, just the, the bravery in being, being real. And, and saying, yes, there are these social norms that say, don't talk about that kind of stuff. It's yeah. we, don't, we want to pretend that that stuff doesn't exist. But it does exist, doesn't it, dear listeners? And uh, thank you for listening to part one. Part two 
there, there's about an hour and a half left of this conversation, and it's amazing. And again, I want to remind you, if you want to meet Tammy and interact with her, we're going to be doing a live conversation about the book Enough, and that's going to be on Sunday, February 10th at 12 noon Eastern. Details for how to access that live event you'll find on Patreon. And um, wow, I, I just want to... Th- I want to thank Tammy once again. This is an amazing story. It was so fun to be able to sit down and have this conversation with her. I hope that it's been enjoyable to all of you. Part two will be coming shortly. I'm not going to make you wait for very long, but there's just some things that I got to do on the edits. And so I want to get this first part out to you as quickly as possible. So thanks again for listening to Infants on Thrones. Part two coming up. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.